Welcome to the Drama Free Living Podcast. It's Dennis, Lisa McEntee. And Lisa, today we're continuing the conversation on death of a micromanager. I love it. it re- I love it because micromanagers, that's something that we need to put to rest. We're going to kill them. Just kill them. Murder them. No. It's, it, it, it's pretty strong. It's very pretty strong, strong I know. Uh, terminology there. Were it's, you watching a detective show last night? Uh, something. It was a little intense, right? So it, we want to address in each of the podcast episodes fear, failure, forward movement, maybe some fast fixes. And uh, last podcast was great because we really talked about this idea of like people getting blamed for what their team does. And how do you navigate through some of that fear? Because it's real. Yeah. And then how that really stifles a lot of the creativity. And here's what's interesting. I know managers complain about their teams not being creative. And it's really sometimes how they're managed that's yeah. really producing that. And so you get mad at something that you're actually creating yourself. Don't say it's not so. And then some forward movement, some fast fixes. So today we really want to talk about this whole idea of one of the fears is inefficiency. Now, before we get into the fears, like inefficiency, let's talk about, well, how do I even know if I'm a micromanager? Oh, that's a good question. These are some symptoms Mm -hmm. of you might be a micromanager if you have lack of trust in your your environment and with your team. And and trust kind of affects speed, speed Mm -hmm. of getting things done. Right, And it affects cost because when there's low trust, it takes a lot longer to get things done. Right. So you have this inefficiency. Go ahead. Um, if you might be a micromanager if, if you have reduced employee engagement. Yeah. And, and really, how do you determine engagement? How, because p- you can pay for people's time, but really great managers get the things they can't pay for. Yeah. I can't pay for your passion and your zeal and your creativity. If I'm micromanaging you, I'm just going to show up and give you my time, but I'm not going to give you all of those really valuable things. Yeah. Now, you might be a micromanager if your team, there's another team in your organization, Uh and then you have your team, and for some reason, that team is just really producing results. Why is that? Just keeps hitting against a wall or just not you're not producing the results and not making the bang that that some of these other teams are you could be a micromanager and so we want to encourage you look at your results just take a hard look at your results and just tell the truth absolutely another um, symptom that you could be a micromanager is if there is poor time management Okay, talk about that for a minute. What well, do you mean by that? Poor time management. If you are, you only have so many hours in a day. Yep. And if I am forced as a team member to do things in a mm-hmm. certain way, and I'm not able to do things in the way that I want to do them or mm-hmm. in the way that my skill sets allow, then huh. I it takes more energy and I cannot utilize my time well. And we will dive into that whole concept later on. Okay, perfect. So keep, keep moving. Uh, limited collaboration. Yep. If you have limited collaboration, you you may be a micromanager or you may have a micromanager in yep. your midst. Awesome. And so we, we want to put this to, de- to, to bed and really talk about some of these issues and because it's real. And it's really a symptom of bigger issues. And so one fear that is also driving it is this idea of inefficiency. Mm-hmm. And almost like it's the belief that people can't do it the right way unless I stay on top of you. Yeah. And I think we have to give our team some more freedoms because here's what we discovered is as a manager, the main job is to tell teams, hey, this is what, this is what we're going right. to do. 
right? Really be effective. This is what it is, and this is why. Provide the context. And in the Emotionally Intelligent course, we really covered that, how to, how to create this. We talk this. a lot about the context and yeah. how to give the why and how to really empower your team. And really to be frame able that story. And frame the story for your team to be able to to run well with the responsibilities that they have. Yeah, and I, that's a fantastic little course, but we're, not, we're not covering that's that today. At, that's at emotionallyintelligentcourse.com. Right, so if you want that, that's available for you. It's our brand new flagship product. And, and I know I've dealt with this, Lisa, and it's this idea because I want things to go faster, 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 yeah. faster, always faster, always faster, more efficient, more. But you know what I've realized is that sometimes you have to slow down to go fast. And... We have to slow down to do it right because if we're going fast and we do it wrong and then we have to come back and fix it, then it actually is slower. And it's feeding this addiction a little bit of always faster. And people that have a lot of ambition, I think that kind of trips them up a little bit. And that that likens to a a runner and the difference between a sprint and a marathon. And because you can go fast, 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 fast if you're a sprinter, but you can only maintain that sprint for for a short time, that is not that is not a method for longevity. Yeah. Uh, for longevity, you have to slow your pace hmm. so you can keep that pace for an extended period of time. And that's the secret to longevity in companies. That's the secret to longevity in organizations and teams and even in families. It really is. And I think the goal needs to be let's go farther, not faster. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're going to get things done in a timely manner, but they don't always have to be done yesterday. And I think it's this whole idea of let's get great results um, with less activity. How do we get more results from even less activity at times? And many times it's the right activity, not more activity. It's the old adage, working smarter, not harder. Right. And so what what does that look like for you? What does that look like for your team? And, and really, it's about being effective, not just being efficient. Mm-hmm. And so I think efficiency a little bit is not the best goal because I think you have to look out at the outputs and like the impact and the results and the outcomes and continue to measure to that. And part of part of our problem with us, we're, we're having so many retention issues. Mm, we're having yep. so many problems with retention right now. Yeah. And part of that does have to do with higher-ups being micromanagers, um, with higher-ups just being afraid of inefficiency. They want everything to be efficient and they're they're destroying their team and they're destroying the longevity and the productivity in the process. And so just manage to results. And then so that's that's kind of the fear. And we just want to remind everybody that micromanaging really is just a symptom of some of these bigger fears. So we talked about last week the fear of getting blamed for what other people do. And this week we're talking about the fear of inefficiency. Everything always has to be efficient. And what does it kind of create? What's the failure that this creates? The failure is it truly does limit team productivity. So you um, think you're being productive, mm-hmm. but you're actually limiting it. This right. is a this is a fascinating concept. You know, as long as the end result is correct, right? you know, of course, without breaking any laws or rules <laughs> yeah. or safety yeah. codes, right. then why can't they? Why can't it be done that way? Yeah. Right. So there are it. 
you have to allow me, and this is what we talked about a little bit in the introduction, is is you truly, if I am your employee, you need to allow me to work according to my skills and my strengths. Um, there's um, there's some studies done on different people work work differently. There's yeah. um, uh, working styles and learning styles and thinking styles and Four concepts are abstract, random, concrete, and sequential. And you yep. and I happen to be opposites. It's a fascinating and working relationship. It is a <laughs> – yes. Fascinating is the key word. And you are I – am, I am very much – you are um, – I'm a very much of a sequential worker. Absolutely, yep. And so for me to be forced to not work sequentially limits my productivity. But if Squirrel. I – Squirrel? If I Anyone force squirrel? you, if yeah. I force you to work sequentially, I mean, it's just, it's the end of the day right there. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, there's no hope for accomplishing anything because it truly does stifle all of your creativity. It allows you, it does not allow you to be efficient. It doesn't allow you to be productive and it doesn't allow you to work the way you are wired to well, work. Well, because I think random, like learners, really, they make odd connections in places that people would never make a connection. Right. And, and that's part were, of the value right. of being random. But if you don't have a sequential person with you, you'll create a lot of confusion in your team. And that's what's fascinating is you are concrete ra- random and yep. I am abstract sequential. So my creativity comes in the abstract side. Mm-hmm. And I'm all all of my creativity is up here in the abstract side, and then I go to the sequential, and that's when I flesh it out. Well, your creativity, your concrete, and that is it's like I got to see it, I got to visualize it, and then your creativity comes in the random and side. And I'll put ten different things together, and sometimes people it'll be tough to follow. And so, if I am forced, if you are my higher up and you are mm-hmm. the micromanager, and you are forcing me to work. Concrete random. It's not a true. It's not a true story. It's just, just. If you're forcing me to work concrete you know random, then you are not going to get the best of me. Mm-hmm. Or if you only hire concrete randoms, there is a whole another aspect of skills and creativities that you are not allowing on your team. Well, and when we really dive into what makes people, because these things make people powerful. Yeah. Using your gifts, using your abilities, using your talents, using these key God-given skills really make you powerful. And and powerful people are productive people. But Lisa, uh, sometimes powerful people are messy people. Yes, they right? are. Now, along with the the this failure of limiting my productivity, there are three different kind of types of people on your team. There's the make it up, there's the yeah. make it real, and there's the make it reoccurring. And we really need all three you of these a- team members. And we really learned this from Dan Sullivan at Strategic Coach. Make it up, make it real, make it reoccurring. It's a fantastic way to look at teams. And and you cannot force me to be a make it reoccurring person if that's not who I am. If you are trying to if you are expecting me as a micromanager to make yeah. be the re- make it reoccurring person, you are just you are not going to get the results you want. And so it's really truly limiting limiting my productivity. And then also spending time correcting a process to be your way Ooh. takes time away from other people, at least two people that could be getting results. So if you have a project and you need me to do it and you're saying this is the project, 
this is why we're going to do it, and then this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. And I am forced to to walk out your how, then it is taking away my productivity. It's taking away your productivity because you're going to have to walk with me. You're going to literally have to hold my hand through yeah. this because I am not going to be able to, to get the results the way you would get the results. Well, and you know what's fascinating, Lisa? If, if you're a random thinker, my processes are very random. People cannot follow them. It works for me in my brain, but for me to put that on other people, and I think if you're building processes, you need to have people that are more sequential in their thinking because they see it different and it's very helpful. But when a leader or manager forces people to do their process, how they would do it in their brain, it really does create that inefficiency. And what's fascinating, and this podcast is an excellent example, how how do we, what are the behind the scenes, what are the hours Ooh. that we spend preparing before we get up in front of these microphones and in front of the camera? It's very random for me. It, how about for you? So I, because I work so sequentially, when what we, what we do is we talk to our team and we're like, okay, what are some things? that we're either really working through and what would help our team or what are some things what our clients, are, are, our clients are struggling with and they're having to work through with their teams yeah. or what is going on in society right now and what's happening what is what is the the epidemic in yeah. corporate culture right now and so we get that idea and then we walk through okay what we walk through different aspects of what it could be, yep. and then we sit down to actually work it through. And this is where your concrete random meets my abstract sequential, and, and it clashes. It fireworks all and the time. And it clashes. And so in this situation, if you try to micromanage me, then we're just going to throw our devices in the air and leave the room because it's not going to work. Yep. But you have to figure out how do you – how, how are you able to be concrete and random and throw these ideas and, and, and take this cloud of ideas and work them together and piece them through and then allow me to be sequential and say, okay, I, I need to move this here and this and, and really put an order to it. And that's where you're great because I love it that I can just randomize and that's, I don't even know if that's the correct way to say it. Sure. Just randomize on a piece of paper and then just give it to you and let you just sequentially work it into really a way that makes sense to people. Because sometimes I don't think it would make sense to people. And if we try to do this any other way, it would it would yeah. it wouldn't just limit our productivity; it would stop our productivity. And <laughs> it so would kill when, our when, productivity. And so not just on you can be a micromanager and be a team lead. Mm -hmm. Or you could even be a micromanager and be a member of a team. Micromanaging is not just necessarily for team leads. Well, Lisa, we, we've seen team members that have told us, well, I just want to do it all myself. And I've had to sit down with and tell them, you're not going to do it all yourself. You're trying to do something that is not even in your skill set. You're taking a lot longer to do it. This is crazy. But sometimes they have team, – team members actually have fears inside themselves where they want to do it all or and, – yeah. and I think it really stifles collaboration because even on our team, there are things that you're good at, things that I'm, things that I'm not good at. And why would I want to 
continue to work in those areas of weakness and just have a bunch of strong weaknesses. And that's the part of like really creating this team. So Lisa, we, we got some fear. We understand the failure. What's the forward movement? The steps to gain control. Yeah. And these are steps to put in place today, next week, next yeah. year, really permanently. One mm-hmm. would be to delegate and empower. Okay. So you don't delegate and then take it back. And then you don't put a leash on them hmm. and give it to them and hold on to the end of the line. I think you say this is what and this is why. And then also define the success criteria. And this yes. is something that we've done with team members is what's the success criteria when it's done and done well? Yeah. Well, how do I know when it's done and done well? And what is that five or six judgments and how do you think about this process and what's your mindset around that? And then give people freedom inside of those boundaries. Because here's what's amazing. Creativity happens best inside of boundaries. Mm-hmm. But leaders that don't give team members boundaries when they put a stranglehold on them, then it really does stifle that creativity. But you just don't – it's just not the wild, wild west either. It's like these are the boundaries. Right. We have a lot of right when we're with teams, it's this is the budget and this is the time frame. And yes, I know you'd want like three weeks to get it done, but we have a week and we only have this budget. What can we do inside of that and how can we create inside of that boundary? And that's where creativity happens best when you have some constraining factors. Absolutely. And with that, and that leads right into the next forward movement, the mm-hmm. steps to to gain control would be to focus on results and focus on the goals. So it doesn't have to be perfect. And what you were just talking about is yep. the intention clarifier really, truly helps to put the boundaries around something. It, it helps to figure out the what, the when, the who, the why, the how. It really puts everything on one page and it creates those frameworks and boundaries so that creativity happens inside of that. But you know, Lisa, it also creates a lot of confidence in team members yeah. because when team members know their boundaries and know sort of where they can play and almost think about this intention clarifier becomes this fence. Yeah. And inside of this fence, you can... Well, I, I want people to grow their own garden. This is the fence. Now, grow the best garden you can inside of this fence. Absolutely. And we talk about the intention clarifier. We go through it in our course, Emotionally Intelligent. Yeah, and it's, so it's emotionallyintelligentcourse.com. And so you can go there to, to get it, and uh, it's available it just, for you. It just really helps yeah. focus on results and goals um, to and to delegate and empower. And those are the two steps that you – the two things that you can put in place for forward movement steps to control this tendency to micromanage I would be that. delegate and empower. Yep. And focus on results and goals. And those are two sticky notes that you can stick up. I love it. That's a great idea. to help you remember, okay, I need to focus on results and goals, and I need to delegate and empower. Yeah. And and just drill it into the brain. You're not talking about anybody specific, right? No, nobody specific. Some people have thick brains. That's what I've heard. Okay. So let's talk about fast fix, okay? What can I do now? Like right now. And so uh, we want to really have everybody think through what's the fear that you're masking? We talked about that this is really like a bigger, like it's really a symptom of some kind of fear. And last last week we went through one of the fears and this week we're going through another fear. we got a couple more episodes where we'll walk through some of these different fears, but realize, okay, this is just a symptom. And so we created the trigger identifier. And if you mm-hmm. go to triggeridentifier.com, you can get a free copy for you, totally free. Really understand what's triggering that fear because it's masking. And almost think about micromanaging is a mask that people wear. 
Hmm. It really is. It's, it's this mask that people wear because they have something on the inside that's out of order. It, now, it's, no, that's a it's, big thought. It's a pretty – it feels empowering. It feels – the mask <laughs> yeah. feels very powerful. Yeah. And it's a very powerful mask to put on. It's kind of like a superhero. When he puts on his mask, he's got all these powers. Yep. Well, the micromanager mask, while it feels powerful to the person wearing it, it feels extremely disempowering to those that are influenced by it. Well, you know, Lisa, it also feels kind of lonely for that manager. Hmm. People say, well, leaders, it's like lonely at the top. And I think it's only lonely if you've created that scenario for yourself. Hmm. And many times we're, we're building these walls because we have these fears and we build this wall and then we can't get out of the wall and we're inside of this box and we don't. And so we want to encourage you, listen, if you've created this wall in your leadership or your management, just start simple, just start taking it away, start to, now it's kind of scary, but start to give some of this power away, start to really just empower your people and almost like play the long game. Play the long game in developing people because what we've discovered is typically micromanagers want things fast, 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 fast. And we just want to encourage you to slow down to speed up is that sometimes you'll have to slow it down. And we've even seen this with some of the organizations that we work with. One of the common complaints within the first three or four months is people will complain, oh, it's going so slow, it's going so slow. But what's fascinating, a year later, they'll tell us, wow, it's going so fast. And you have sometimes you have to slow down and change some of your leadership, change some of your management to really empower and create powerful people so that you can step in and go go through this. So really determine what the mask is. And, and sometimes, you know, people tend to like blame other people, mm-hmm. right? You wear this because you blame other people. And when you blame, you can't take responsibility. And, and that's what we've seen with team members. I mean, a common complaint that managers can make is, well, I didn't even hire these people. I inherited this team. Well, you're just playing the victim, right? When you have that language. Now, there's a great book, and I forget where we where I heard this from, and I wish I would have said it, but the author talks about that there are no bad teams, there are just bad leaders. Now, that's kind of hurtful when you think about, wow, I'm- When in you're a, the leader. When you're the leader, but if I'm always blaming my team, then I'm really just playing the victim, it's saying more about you than it is about the team. Absolutely. but And we understand this is a real thing because we've talked to people and they've said, well, you don't even know. We're so, we're so short-staffed. We can't, I, we can't fire. We, well, listen, you know, that is just an excuse. Like I get it. Those are realities and those are hard things. But sometimes we have to play the cards we're dealt. Yeah. It, might, it, it might suck, but let's take the cards that we're dealt and let's play the best game that we can. Yeah. It, it, last night you beat me in Rummy. I did. I it, forced you to keep playing until I finally won. <laughs> yeah, because I wanted to quit when I was ahead. I know. And I, I called you on it. You did. And I was like, okay, fine. We'll keep playing. But you know what? You know what happened? I had some really good hands the last couple of hands. Like you surged ahead of me and I had some really – I had a, Do not tell me that you let me win. I did not let you win. Okay. But honestly, I played the wrong card and I played it and I'm like, oh man, I didn't shouldn't have played that card. And then you just like took advantage of that. You just took advantage of that card and boom, boom, boom. And next thing Take I know – Take advantage of a man when he's down. <laughs> but, but it's a great example of – I really felt like I had good cards in a couple of those hands. But mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I really played that wrong. And so it's the same with managers. But if you're not careful, you can fall into playing the victim. Yeah. And we make these excuses. 
Like, well, I didn't, I didn't even hire HR says I can't fire them or I just inherited this team. But if you step back and realize there's always something you can do. And I think that's the key thing that happens is they, managers can feel like, you know, I have no choice. It's like, I don't have any more choices. And you always have a choice because you behave and it creates an outcome. And if you don't like the outcomes with your team, just start to change your behavior. So really understanding like, you know, not playing into that drama triangle idea where you're the victim or the blamer. And then also, I think, asking yourself, what's the insecurity that's being exposed? Hmm. Talk about that. Well, for example, I'm micromanaging and there's something on the inside that maybe is being exposed, but you got to look at it. It's why we created the trigger identifier. Mm-hmm. So you can walk through the trigger identifier to really expose what that insecurity is, because at the end of the day, most people poor behavior or behavior that doesn't produce the optimal results we want is typically driven by an insecurity. And we all do things to get our needs met. Everybody behaves to get a need met, which means all behavior really makes sense. Even crazy behavior makes sense because you're trying to get a need met. Well, of course you did that. Yeah. Well, of course I micromanaged. I had this, I had this fear of, you know, of losing control. Well, so of course I micromanaged. And, and I think what that does is that allows you to have some grace for yourself and and what, and and this is something I'm continuing to discover really is to not judge my, judge my yesterday by my today, right? Because every day I become better and better. But if I look back and make judgments, say on things I did last year, right? Well, I know different, I know different things. I'm smarter yeah. this year. And so make sure you don't judge yesterday by who you are today. Mm-hmm. And make sure that you don't put like today's, you know, who you are into the future, who you could be, because you can be somebody different. You mm-hmm. can We're always a growing manager. and changing. And it's this whole idea of incremental learning. Mm-hmm. We're always learning. Uh, one thing, Lisa, that we do that I, I find really fun is we ask each other different questions at the end of the day, things like- I love that. I, it's really been helpful. And one thing that we ask is, well, what did you learn today? Mm-hmm. And it really forces that issue because I never want a day to go by where I don't learn something. And sometimes it's a learning that I remember. Oh, you know, I knew this, but I I have another sense of diving it deeper. And sometimes it's a learning that is simply a realization. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of our tools, that's really what they help people do. The trigger identifier really helps you think about like things that happened maybe yesterday or in the past and really extract learning from it. It's really the basis of emotionally intelligent, really how do you become like less reactive and don't blow up because micromanagers blow up. Micromanagers are really full of their emotions and really they're full of themselves. Yeah, that's not me. (laughs) Right. And so how do you become less reactive and how do you become more more interactive interactive with your team? So Lisa, this was fun. Walk through a fear, right, of inefficiency. Yes. And really step back and judge results. And a failure of limiting team productivity. Why why are we not being as successful as as we could be? Yeah, and then we're going to fast. We're going to make some forward movement real quick, and we talk about the intention clarifier. It's in the course, so if you'd like that, emotionallyintelligentcourse.com, and you get the emotional, uh, the, get the intention clarifier really creates those boundaries so that you can so determine, you can delegate, and you delegate can well and effective, effectively. Yeah, and and you can focus on results and goals. Right, and so we want you to do something right now. Fast fix. 
Okay. So really determine what's the fear that you're masking. Don't play the blamer. Don't play the victim. You are responsible. Quit blaming your team, right? Quit playing the victim with your team. There's always something you can do and, and just move forward. Yeah. Um, for you, Lisa, big takeaway? Big takeaway for me, I would have to say just these teams that we come across and we come across yeah. these teams all the time that we're working with and some of our clients and they cannot figure out why they have reduced employee engagement. They can't figure out why there's lack of trust. They can't figure out why they have poor time management and they have limited uh, collaboration and and the and then they and then they can't figure out why they are dealing with retention issues and when you tie all these up into a bow, it comes down to highly likely there's some micromanaging going on. Yeah, Lisa, and we were working with a large organization. I was personally yesterday um, with the team, and the senior leader is a micromanager. And I really had to ask him, what are you afraid of? And it almost just hit him upside the head. And I think it's this realization, let's continue to dive into the fear yeah. and realize it's going to take some courage to step out. And we can either encourage or discourage people. And so we want to encourage you, step out, whatever that is, um, you go step out. If you'd like the trigger identifier, we'll put it in the show notes. The course, um, Emotionally Intelligent, it's in the show notes. And so this has been fun. Lisa, we'll continue the death of our micromanager on the next podcast. And um, we'll see you next time on the Drama Free Living Podcast. <laughs>